used to the release day change here at Monster Kid Radio, I really think I want the episodes to come out on Friday now instead of Thursday. And technically, at least where I'm at, it's still Friday, although chances are you're not going to get this episode of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear until your Saturday. And I apologize for that. I'll make it up to you by giving you an excellent episode of Monster Kid Radio this week. How's it going, everybody? This is your writer, host, producer, Derek M. Cook, welcoming you to the show with a song from the band Operation Octopus. This comes from their album El Calavera. It is the song Black and White Shoes. I will make sure there's a link in the show notes, and of course, you'll hear the song in its entirety at the end of this episode. But if you just can't wait, go to operationoctopus.bandcamp.com to check out this song as well as the rest of the entire album let them know that monster kid radio sent you let's talk about this week's episode we are getting back to how things used to be here on monster kid radio release day you know withstanding we have an actual conversation with me as the main guy facilitating the talk with a guest I've got the man from the shadow over Portland, Chris McMillan, joining me this week to talk about a movie that is near and dear to his shadowy monster kid heart. It's the classic film, the original Invaders from Mars. We're going to be talking about that with him and to talk about the first time he saw the film, get into why it affected him the way that it did, talk about what I thought about the movie, because this was, <gasps> oh no, a first time watch for me. So that's what we're doing this week. We've got Chris waiting in the wings. Of course, wouldn't be an episode of Monster Kid Radio without some segments from some amazing contributors like Mark Metzke and his Beta Capsule Review. And I know I say this more often than not, but I mean it. I really mean it. The episode of Ultraman that he's covering this week is one of my absolute favorites. Not just of the original Ultraman series, but of all the Ultraman series episodes that I've seen, every single one, I would put this near the very top of my Ultraman list. It's a great episode. We also have Kenny. He is here with a look at famous monsters of film land. So that's coming up as well. Now, of course, as always, when we talk about the movie, there are spoilers. So I will play that spoiler alert at the beginning of the conversation with Chris, but Kenny's segment also has a spoiler, so keep an eye out or ear out for that. In fact, I'm going to let you get to that right after this. Undead are my allies. The night is my domain, and the dark, dank tomb my dwelling place. I feast on human blood. May be yours, so beware. Beware. Return of Dracula. From 
From beyond the grave comes the dreaded Dracula, spreading corruption and horror wherever his cursed shadow falls. Innocent beauty becomes the vampire's prey as paralyzing fear turns to hypnotic fascination. You will do as I say. Yes. I bring you death, a living death. One drop of your blood and you are bound to me. Jenny Blake's soul must be freed, Doctor. And all of the souls of her victims, if any. But how? With a pointed stake right through the heart. Ray, the Earth is invaded by indestructible moon monsters. Their ghastly mission, death for all humans. What astounding technical developments are being made to protect mankind? Robot Monster brings you an actual preview of the devastating forces of our future. Unsuspected revelations of incredible horrors that will terrify you with their brutal reality. There is no escape from me. Very well. I will recalculate. Your death will be indescribable. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, Plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again and remember the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. While on patrol of outer space, Ide and Arashi discover the Monster Graveyard, where Ultraman's monstrous opponents drift in weightless exile. Thus begins the heartfelt 35th episode of Subaraya Productions' special effects fantasy series. After spying many familiar foes floating about, and one creature unknown to them, the Science Patrol returns to headquarters where they organize a monster funeral. 
acknowledging the tragic nature of kaiju, which are simply too large and powerful to coexist with humanity. Meanwhile, Japan launches a lunar rocket which snags on Sibazu, the unidentified skeletal creature from the monster graveyard, bringing it back to Earth before the funeral is even complete. The SSSP begins bombing Sibazu, but the monster only cowers and roars in sadness, scaling a skyscraper in an attempt to get back into space. The dejected monster wanders off into the countryside and the science patrol gives up their attack, resolving to help Sibazu, enlisting the expertise of the Lunar Rocket Research Center. Their launch plan fails, however, and Ultraman is unable to finish the job, having expended too much energy wrestling the ghost monster to send him back into space single-handedly. It will take all the ingenuity the SSSP can muster, plus the persuasive power of Ultraman, to find a solution for Sibazu. The Monster Graveyard is another masterpiece from the minds of writer Mamoru Sasaki and director Akio Jisaji, the team responsible for last week's Gift from the Sky and other Milestone episodes, where Gift from the Sky parodied the conventions of an average Ultraman story, the Monster Graveyard sober-mindedly inverts them, asking the audience to consider the tragic nature of a giant monster's lack of place in the modern world. Remarkable for its compassionate and philosophical take on the problem of monsters, episode 35 also gives the viewer one of the series' most charming kaiju, the downcast Sibazu, who just wants to go home. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. Pounding across the motion picture screen comes the most terrifying monster of them all, Gamera the Invincible. Gamera. The super monster that even the H-bomb cannot destroy. Gamera the Invincible. Gamera, consuming raw atomic power. Power to destroy entire cities. Open fire! Man's most destructive weapons have no effect on Gamera the Invincible. The mightiest nuclear weapons ever devised are powerless against Gamera the Invincible. Is humanity doomed? Will the world be destroyed? The United Nations is called to emergency session in a last desperate effort to save the world. We have one plan that we think might work. We have discussed Plan Z with the Japanese authorities, and they agree it is the best of our alternative plans. Is that correct, sir? That is so. Plan Z is hope of the world. A cast of thousands at the mercy of the most terrifying monster that ever lived. Brian Donlevy as General Arnold. is beyond comprehension. He must be stopped now. Albert Decker as the Secretary of Defense. Will Plan Z stop Gamera? Gamera, the Invincible. <laughs> He's the goingest ghost you've ever met. 
this ghost of Dragstrip Hollow. He's got the Hot Rodders vavoomin' and the Hepcats zoomin'. She your chick? Well, I'd like to think so. You know, she prefers hot rods instead of hot romances. That's because it's easier to handle cars. <laughs> this chick does all right with romance, too. But nothing stops this pirate's bird who learned his tricks from the ghost of Dragstrip Hollow. Anybody want to kiss a duck? It's a perfectly rational explanation for all this. <laughs> Cats and hot rodders, they're all alive to the jive. <laughs> Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today's movie, Invaders from Mars, was briefly mentioned in FM 94 from November of 1972 in an article about movies with surprise endings. Warning, spoiler alert. The war plans of the Invaders from Mars were highly entertaining, but the movie's ending was even better. Everything turned out to be a dream, but later on the boy hero seemingly woke again and saw the flying saucer of his dreams land in the distance. Was that also a mental illusion, or had he foreseen the future? The audience never found out. In FM 139 from December of 1977, we see an article entitled Invaders from Outer Space, a history of invasion movies. It included this from our featured film. In trying to explain the invaders from Mars, one scientist actor said, there isn't enough oxygen on Mars and the surface is too cold to support human life as we know it. There is a theory, consequently, that their cities are underground near some central core of heat, or that they live in spaceships. That can't be proved, but it can't be disproved either. Can you disprove, for example, that the Martians have bred a race of synthetic humans to save themselves from extinction? They're called mutants. Say you're a Martian. With the aid of these mutants, you've developed a way of life to save your race. Giant ships floating in space with sufficient oxygen to sustain life. Then the inhabitants of another planet start shooting powerful rockets, endangering your zone of survival. Wouldn't you want to do something about it? There was also a photo of the head Martian, one of the creepiest aliens in movies, in my opinion. That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more soon. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Journey into double terror with the late night double feature with X, the fiend from beyond space and the wall people. A crew of interstellar explorers must fight an unstoppable alien fiend from beyond space hell bent on consuming them all. Will they survive? Can they survive? And on the same program, 
A man must fight to save his only child from the clutches of strange invaders who use their advanced technologies to steal sleeping children through their bedroom walls. Are your children safe? Two terrors to tear you apart in the late night double feature. Space is a picture that you'll long remember for its blending of science and fiction, for its eerie terror, and for its story of an invasion from another planet that's almost beyond imagining. <coughs> I tell you, from its size and its appearance, this thing came from outer space. I even have reason to believe that there's some form of life in it. What do you want? What are you doing? Let me see you as you really are. This is Count Vlad, but you may recognize me by my more familiar name, Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. In your parlance, you might call these revelations spoilers. You know how the children of the night Ah, I mean monster kids can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned, and don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. encountering movies that I've never seen before, even if it's something that I should have seen by now, there are movies out there that I have not seen, and I like to explore them here on the show, not like last week when neither of us, us being me and the guest, have seen the movie, but in this case, I've got somebody who has seen the movie, has some very distinct memories with the movie involving the first time he saw it, uh, and it's something that I've been talking with him for a long time about talking about on Monster Kid Radio. I'm done rambling. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Y'all should recognize his, his laugh by now. Come on. It's the man with the voice that deserves its own podcast. It's Chris McMillan from The Shadow Over Portland. <laughs> You've been talking about it for years, man. I know, I know. And COVID and 
day jobs and God, yeah, I got to do it next year. I just have to. I just have to <laughs> buckle down and do it. Even if it's once a month, just get it done. Hey, I, I know a podcast that used to just be once a month a while back. You know, it's, it's possible. It, it can be done. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It is. How are you? And thanks for having me back. Uh, Just I, I had to get that out right now. But how are you doing? I, I'm hanging in there, man. Yeah, listeners, Chris and I have been chatting for about, like, what, half an hour at this point? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, we've been chatting for a little bit. But, yeah, uh, even though we've already kind of gotten a lot of the how are we doing kind of stuff out of the way, I'll tell you, man, I am still dealing with the unpacking. I'm still dealing with uh, adjusting to everything and not knowing where everything's at. and just trying to keep some positivity in mind as I look at what next year is going to bring. I know there's that meme out there about don't anybody dare say we're going to make 2022 the best, you know, because we don't want to jinx it. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to make 2022 pretty awesome. I'm going to do my best too. I've got some pretty big plans uh, with some pretty big people. That sounded weird. I've got some pretty big <laughs> What is wrong with me? Um, I've got some big plans for the year, and uh, yeah, it all starts next year, man. Actually, it starts now as I kind of start laying the groundwork. Well, yeah, you might as well get prepared now before 2022 hits and hit the ground right. Running. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. yep, got that going on. Got that all going on and dealing with all of that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. and, you know, getting back used to doing Monster Kid Radio again. You know, I took a month off, kind of. I've seen that on Facebook. I'm still way behind on my podcast because the way I used to listen to it, I could listen to it at work, but now I can't. I'm behind on everything. Yeah, I don't hold it against you or anything. I mean, I do consider you a dear friend and wish you listened to everything I did, but I totally understand. <laughs> well, I will listen to it. It's just going to take a little while to get there. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's cool. I totally understand. Now. I, I totally although, get it. Although, Although I do have to say, I don't know when this podcast comes out, but if it comes out before Christmas, uh -huh. oh, it is. I'm gonna have my oh, okay, I'm gonna have my dad listen to it. He's never heard me on a podcast. Hey, there we go. Hello, Chris's dad. Everybody say hello. Yeah. Everybody say hello to Chris's dad. Like that doesn't make sense. Anyway, <laughs> Ooh, all right. But yeah, I'm gonna have him listen to it because he's never heard it before. He's always saying, "Oh, you should do that," and it's like, "Well, yeah, I'm trying to." That's awesome, um, dude. Well, I'll have him listen to it. So yeah, maybe we'll get another Monster Kid fan. Ooh. Well, you never know. I was over at my brother's house where he's living because he's like 90 and he can't live on his own. Right. Right. And. My brother and his wife had to go do something, and I'm like, "Well, Dad, let's see what's on Netflix. Have you seen Tremors before?" Oh, I know that guy, Kevin Bacon. I'm like, yeah, we're watching this. Nice. And he loved it. Nice. So, yeah, there's hope. That's awesome. <laughs> Maybe I can get him to watch this one. Right on. Well, I mean, in personal conversations you and I have talked about is uh, your dad's introduced to you or had you watch a bunch of Westerns, right? Oh, yeah. He, he loves Westerns. And I think that's kind of why he got into Tremors, because it's set in the desert and it's a Sort of Western style where the yeah. town's under siege by, in this case, giant earthworms that eat you. Um, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he got into it. It was nice. It was fun. Right on, dude. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So he's always wanted to hear me on a podcast or on the radio. So when this goes out, I'm going to be able to see him at Christmas. I'm going to get him to listen to it. That's cool. Well, hello, Chris's dad. Like I said, I will promise not to edit your son into making him sound like an idiot. 
Um, I'll make sure he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's easy to end up with gold when you start with gold. I'll just say that. Ooh, so, oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's a movie we're talking about. Yeah, you know, we just both got off work earlier today, so I'm still kind of a little punchy. Oh, yeah, I get so, that. So I my, that. my apologies. Yeah, we have a movie to talk about. We have all sorts of stuff. We can keep jabbing on, but I'm sure people are kind of like, come on, let's get to it. You mean this podcast that isn't called Derek and Chris just kind of ramble aimlessly for 90 <laughs> minutes? Wow. I, I forgot. I thought that I thought it was my podcast <laughs> and I called the shots, but I guess. Well, you do, but, you know. <laughs> All right, so we've got a movie to talk about. We've got all sorts of stuff to talk about. But I didn't do this last week with Steve Turek because he sprung it on me. I'm not letting a week go by where I don't do it. we got to do a round of the Classic Five, sir. Oh, goodness. Oh, man. I didn't even study. <laughs> you know better. <laughs> I know. You know better. There's no. St- <laughs> we don't need to study around here. There's no way to fail the Classic Five. For listeners who don't know, the Classic Five is a game that we play pretty much on every episode of Monster Kid Radio, where I have a literal deck of cards. Normally, I don't know where mine is right now. It's boxed up somewhere, so I'm going to have to pull something from a data. Anyway, I have a deck of cards. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I know where my cards are. Oh, well, look at you, Mr. Fancy Pants. Oh, yeah. Well, if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Let's see where are they. I'm in my... Oh, there they all are right there. Please continue, and I'll pull the cards. Oh. Sounds good. So, uh, yeah, we're going to draw some cards. Each card has a this or that. Which movie do you prefer style question on them? There are no wrong answers. It's just a way to get monster kids talking, get to know fellow monster kids, that sort of thing. Call it an icebreaker. Call it a game. We call it the Classic Five. Hang on. I'm having trouble getting him out of the package. We are so prepared this week. This is oh man, I tell you, we're, this is this is podcast gold. Oh man, you know what I said earlier about making you sound good, and now we got it. Uh... All right, wait, what? Oh shoot! Okay, I got this thing right. Okay, I got the basic deck out. You want to just go with that? Well, why don't we do three basic deck, and then I'll pull two from my data, my my uh, my sheet here, my. My stuff here. Okay. Okay. Hang on. I'm going to shuffle. So give me a sec. All right. Let me get close to the microphone. And it's tangled up in the cord. Of course. All right. Here we go. <laughs> the, so you, we're you both missed this, right? You, you missed this. And I'm sure the listeners missed this too, right? I mean, this. Oh, I'm sure. This is gold. <laughs> okay. So are we both answering this one? Why not? We'll both answer. Why not? What classic monster movie that never had a sequel should have had one? Would you like to go first or shall I? Um, you know what? I'll, I'll go first in this one. Um, classic monster movie that should have had a sequel. I'd like to see a sequel to The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh. Where the aliens come back and be like, hey, uh, I thought you guys were going to knock this off. Wow, that's a good one. That's, that's, that's what um, I want to say. <laughs> that's much classier than mine, which is probably a not so classic one. I want a sequel to The Giant Claw. Oh, yes. That'd be fun, too. Just to watch that puppet again in a brand new movie. <laughs> it would be just so amazing. Oh, it was Beaky Buzzard that I was thinking of when I first saw that. You know, the, what? Uh, Looney, uh, you know, the Looney Tune buzzard character? I had no idea it had a name. Okay. I think it was Beaky Buzzard. 
You know, the one who's always singing, I've got a baby, bumblebee, whoop my mommy, be so proud of me. Oh, no, please keep going. <laughs> oh, no, that's all the, that's all the lyrics I know. <laughs> no, you're right. But He's I, a, a turkey vulture that, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, just to see more Giant Claw, I love that movie. I, all right. I shouldn't, but I do. No wrong answers. There's no wrong answers, sir. You know, Monster right. Kid Radio is a non-guilty pleasure space. There's no such thing as guilty pleasures here. You love them? Oh, I don't. You love them. Feel no guilt. I don't feel guilty for loving it. It's great. There you go. There you <laughs> there go. There we go. Okay. I'm going to do the second one. We're going to go back okay. and forth like this. Okay. What kaiju would you want to see come to America to fight an American giant monster? Well, I mean, the obvious answer is Godzilla versus Pacific Rim, but I'm not going to go there. Okay. Because that's just too obvious. Just, I... No, I would go to the theater multiple times in a day. Godzilla versus giant robots. I know there's Mecha Godzilla, but come on, we're talking Jaegers. That would be awesome. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, giant monster, giant monster. I would like to see Gamera uh-huh. come to America and fight the beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. Ooh, nice. Yeah, that would work. Yeah, it would. Because not only will they find on land, but they're both amphibious, so they're going to be underwater, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with that. Right on. Well, you said giant robots, and I can't get it out of my head. So I want to see Jet Jaguar come and fight the amazing Colossal Man. (laughs) That would be good, too. Yeah, that's what I want to see. A couple of dudes just going to town. I want to see it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah nope i i'm with you on that one okay card three card three what character from a classic monster movie would you like to have a drink or meal with okay lawrence from creature from the black lagoon of course come on now yeah no kidding but i mean i mean but that's we given. should do something different that's you and i have that pro- not problem but you and i have that <laughs> thing <laughs> yes um, exactly yeah, um, so if not Kay mm, Lawrence. Mm, uh, well, there's always Day from Tarantula. <laughs> okay, let's get away from that. Uh, let's not go with our 50 <laughs> crushes. <laughs> let's see here. Oh, I know. Hmm. Gin Martinis with Dr. Pretorius. <laughs> you know, I mean, that could be fun and all, but I don't know, man. <laughs> Well, it's his only vice. I I don't know if I can let down my guard enough to enjoy myself. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a, you know, cautious evening, but it'd be fun. (laughs) Having a couple of drinks, he pulls out the little people like, what is going on? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, You know what? I'm going to go with Lady Jane Ainsley from Return of the Vampire because, uh, you know, I'd go and fight monsters with her. Oh, I don't blame you. There you go. Yeah, perfect. All right. Question number four. What classic monster movie do you want to see turned into a pinball game? Oh, crud. Been thinking a lot about pinball lately because I found a directory online where you can go and look up various pinball games and and locations and it'll tell you what's where. Oh, wow. There's like three or four locations in the greater Portland area that has the creature from the Black Lagoon pinball. I uh, almost went there for my birthday, but it's like, yeah, I don't want to go out 
just close to the holidays with people. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, well, well, next you'll year. Have, <laughs> you'll have to tell me where, because I'll meet you. Oh, we'll I'll, make have a, I'll, I'll have a roll of quarters. That's right. Okay, pinball, pinball, pinball. The monster that challenged the world. Oh. Because you can make some really cool snail tunnels for the pinball to go through. Yeah. That would be fun. And then, you know, you have to pop the egg bonus and stuff. Yeah. I, I think you could make a good one from that. I didn't even think about that, huh? Now that I'm thinking about the mechanics of the pinball game itself, and I'm thinking something like Monolith Monsters, where you'd have the monoliths like kind of rise from the board in the middle of the game. Oh. So, oh, yeah, and you break them and they come back. Yeah. And you have to go hit the salt mine. Yeah, that's what I want. Perfect. There we go. That'd be a good one, too. That's a great one. All right, well, take us home, man. All right, card number five. What is your favorite Ed Wood film? It's either Plan 9 or Bride of the Monster for me. Bride of the Monster. As much as I love Plan 9, Bride of the Monster is just such great Ed Wood stuff. Yeah, it really is. Not only do you have Bela Lugosi being eaten by his giant rubber puppet squid or octopus, (laughs) he gets struck by lightning it ignites in a nuclear fireball. I mean, I, I've always said that recently villain deaths in like movies have gotten so over the top that they're just unbelievable. You, know, you have the villain shot, he falls 50 stories, bounces off a car, and gets run over by a semi. What movie are you watching? I don't <laughs> Well, no, I'm just saying that's that seems to be how villain deaths are going nowadays. Okay, they're okay. just so over the top. <laughs> but Ed Wood really started it with that one. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Bride of the Monster. Sounds good to me. Yes, although Plan 9's a really close second. Because, yeah. God, that movie is so good. I, I have a lot of love for Plan 9. I mean, obviously. But Bride of the Monster, to me, feels, for lack of a better term, the most real. In that it actually had a budget. In that, you know, it, for the most part, it had a bigger budget. You know, it feels better put together on the production level. I, I agree with you on that. But Plan Nine's pretty awesome, so... Yeah, and, and plus, let's be honest, Bela Lugosi is in it much more than he is in Plan 9. Well, that was the classic five. And uh, as I kind of sort of hinted at during the stream recently, uh, the Twitch stream, I know I keep talking about a new deck, a new expansion. Part of what I mentioned earlier about making sure things are ready to go for 2022, January, you'll see the new deck. So there will be new cards available coming up in January. So you don't have to wait for a monster bash. You don't have to, you know, just listen to the same old or play the same old questions over and over and over again. January. Stay tuned. Cool. Can't wait. Uh, But that is the classic five. And, uh, you know, I know we always say no winners, but Chris wins. So he gets to stay on the show. Oh, wow. I'm not getting cut off. Not getting. Well, not yet. (laughs) I guess it kind of depends on how the rest of this goes. No. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> no, man, you introduced me to a pretty awesome movie. I think we're going to be just fine uh, this week when we talk about a classic, a bonafide classic. What, 1953? Is that right, film? Yes, it is. Invaders from Mars. He saw them capture innocent people only to destroy. <laughs> People changed into strange, weird animals. 
general of the army becomes a saboteur. Trusted police turned into arsonists. The boy's parents changed into killers. Invaders from Mars, weird, fantastic beings of a superintelligence, ruling a race of synthetic humans and pitting them against mankind's dream to conquer the universe. Come on, step on it. Search every tunnel. We gotta find Ronaldo and the kid. When the colonel gives a signal, get back here on the double. I kind of stumbled my way around it a little bit at the beginning of this, but just to be clear, once again, I've never seen this movie before talking about it for this show. It's been on my to-watch list for a very long time. I know it comes highly recommended by a lot of people. It's iconic. It's got some really iconic imagery in it, but I knew that I wanted to wait to watch it until Chris and I were going to talk about it on the show. So I made myself wait. I watched. Well, you didn't have to. Well, no, I wanted to though. You know, and I, <laughs> okay. I actually enjoy kind of coming to these movies fresh, like this, um, because I hear from people all the time. I didn't know anything about this movie. I never saw that film or whatever. I want to be that person. I want to be the person who comes to something brand new and fresh. You know, and that's what I get in situations like this. I get that. I do. Yeah, I think I knew it was double-featured with Day the Earth Stood Still at one point, which might have been why that movie was on my mind when that question came up earlier in the Classic Five. But Mm -hmm. beyond that, and knowing that there was a kid kind of front and center for a lot of it, that's all I knew about it. But you, sir, your background's very different with this film. Yeah, it's the movie that started me on being a monster kid. Wow. It's, It's the first movie I ever remember seeing. That's, that's something, man. I don't remember. I, I think I told you it was 63, but it might have been 64. And yes, I am that old. Um, I wasn't going to say anything. I'm feeling it. That's my, okay. I just turned I'm, 48 on my birthday, so I wasn't going to say nothing. But, you know. Yeah. But somehow I got planted down in the basement of my grandmother's house in New York. Okay. In front of her, for the time, giant 15 inch black and white console tv and they turned on the movie and just you know my mom and my grandma walked up and it was kind of the babysitting thing and invaders from mars was on and so i'm watching this and i gotta tell you three four-year-old me scared the living daylights out of me (laughs) this was terrifying my mom would always tell me that I was a bad sleeper. I didn't sleep through the night. I was fussy at night. Well, if they're scaring you half to death with movies like this, you know. Well, no, that was just it. She found out what I was watching. She's like, what the heck was he watching? Oh, my God, really? (laughs) Um, So she was always against me watching the monster movies. But after that one, I always wanted to watch them. But to be honest, I hadn't seen this again. Until about five years ago. Really? For a couple of reasons. First, it was really hard to watch, especially when I moved up here to Portland, because Portland didn't have, you know, they had their, their the movies they would show, but they didn't really have a good variety of classic 
sci-fi monster horror films right. that they would show. Sure. You know, uh, they'd show stuff on rotation. Like you get to see creature from the black lagoon every year, but something like invaders from Mars, they never showed it. And also as I started reading horror and sci-fi books, I started reading about, Oh, you can see the zippers on the back of the monster suit. Oh, there's this. And I resisted trying to find it for the longest time because I didn't want to spoil my memory of it. I didn't even realize it was shot in color because I'd only seen it in black and white that one time. Wow. So all these color pictures in the book, I'm like, well, oh, they must have been just stills they were taking. And then it's like, oh, it was shot in color. Oh, my goodness. But I resisted seeing it until I finally broke down. It was on a streaming service. Yeah, okay, I'm going to watch this. And I was pleasantly surprised because, well, I think the film has some flaws, and the zippers aren't a flaw. The zippers are just whatever. (laughs) They're a feature. (laughs) They're a feature. It's still a really, really well-done movie. It's so good. And so I didn't want to be disappointed. You know how sometimes you watch a movie and you think it's really great, and then you watch it when you're older and it's like, okay i guess i can yeah maybe as a kid i'd enjoy i'd have enjoyed it you know that sort of disappointment you get oh yeah i did not have this with invaders from mars when i saw it five years ago it was like you know what i understand why this scared me because it's a good movie it's well shot the set designs are just amazing the plot unravels really well and sucking people down into the sand, that's scary. Yeah. So, yeah, I get why this scared me. It doesn't scare me anymore, but it's still a good film. Yep. It looks more lush than I think it has any right to in some oh, sparks, definitely. respects. But then also a lot of it does look like it's shot on a set, but I don't care. So it is a yeah. lot of Frankenstein. So, you know. Whatever. Yeah, but still, even some of the set designs, like the police station, when they bring our, our hero in, yes. you know, the, the kid, you get the feeling that David is in this adult world where he will be overpowered and no one will believe him. Yep. By the design of the set and how sparse it is, but how tall everything looks. It's over-exaggerated to a point where you know you're seeing it through David's eyes. And it's brilliant that way. There are some sources that say that this movie was originally shot in 3D. I don't know if that's true or not, because there's a lot of speculation. But that shot, you're talking about the police station with that long hallway? Oh, yeah. That would have looked great in 3D. Oh, I think so. I never heard that anyone thought it was shot in 3D. I know that the um, opening credits have that sort of 3D look. Yeah. But never saw anything saying it might have been shot in 3D. I don't know for sure. I don't know what I th- you know what I think, but uh it would have been cool in 3D. <laughs> oh yeah, I think so. Um especially some like you said that police station with him walking down it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been amazing. Hey, you know what else was amazing in this movie? What's that? Three guesses what I'm going to say. Um I loved the music. <laughs> what was I thinking? Yes, the music. I should have guessed. What am I thinking? <laughs> no, and the music is great. The Martian uh, yeah. cue. Yeah. Oh, man. Raoul Crochard. I mispronounced that, I'm sure. It's a French oh, it, name. Raoul Crochard. <laughs> Raoul Crochard. I don't know. I got nothing. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow, that just came out of my mouth. Uh, 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 yeah, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> uh, what, who, however you pronounce his name, his mucus, music is amazing. I loved the music in this. Uh, I would buy this on a, a CD in a minute. Um, oh, it was yeah, fantastic. I'd be right behind you. Take my money. It was big and bombastic where it needed to be, subtle where it needed to be, where he's running and everything's just kind of yeah. Oh, wow. And like so I said, good. the cue from when the Martians show up and pull people into the sand that it's a ethereal. Okay, according to Wikipedia, rhythmic, wavering, tonal composition sung in unison by a choir. And it's really creepy sound the way they did it. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's I mean, really I, I would, good. I'd be right behind you with the soundtrack. I want a copy of it. So good. Mm-hmm. So good. You know, we're talking about the budgetary stuff here, and I wanted to bring that up, you know, earlier rather than later, like I normally do, because it, it added to the overall production value of the film. To me, uh, you know, it's all about the sum of the parts kind of coming together for these low budget movies that kind of come together and, and make this interesting meld of media. And this one, it was really good, man. It, it yeah. was real. I am ooh, solid pick. Well, okay, I'm the one that picked it, but I'm glad we <laughs> for this week. Yeah, but I'm glad we went with it because there's a yeah. lot to love here. Yeah, there is, and and I think the director William Carmen Menzies. William Cameron Menzies. We've talked Cameron Menzies. We've talked about him on the show before. He's done some pretty important science fiction. Yes, he has. But I mean, I think he picked his battles with the budget and chose the right ones because like i said the police station set that had to cost some money for sure and so if you're looking at the back of the mutants or they call them mutants and you see the zipper just realize that that hiding the zipper was probably not considered as important as a really good police station set well you're looking at the wrong spot if you're paying attention to the back of the suit <laughs> yeah you're, yeah, yeah i'm okay. sorry man your your priorities are a little you know i'm not going to tell you how to enjoy these movies i'm sorry i shouldn't go down that route but you're looking at the wrong stuff if you're looking for the zipper well yeah and you should be able to forgive certain things you know i mean it's a low budget movie and that's fine mm -hmm. but you know i mean okay so the zipper's there but look at the rest of it look at how much they put into that film to make it work as well as it does yeah. um maybe we should talk about the plot yeah so it's it's a riff on invasion of the body snatchers it's a riff on on that yeah i was thinking that because i mean it came out during the mccarthy red scare era and there's a lot of that there too there's there's oh. even comments that some of the characters the military folks make we may not have yeah. a weapon that'll stand up to them but we're sure going to give them a fight you know that, yeah how, how cold war america is that yeah, but the thing is, this not only predates Don Siegel's Invasion of the Body Snatcher movie, but it also predates the novel by at least a year. So this actually came out before those. I thought maybe they were riffing off of, you know, Invasion of the Body Snatcher. So I'm like, oh, wait, no, no, they came out with it first. And apparently, according to some of the research I did, they pushed this into production so they could be the first color movie to show aliens and alien spacecraft by beating out War of the Worlds. Okay. You know, I mean, I'm sure they, they're like, oh, someone's doing an inv alien invasion movie. We can beat them to it. But as far as the body snatcher communist scare thing, yeah, they beat 
Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the punch by a cup by a year for the novel and at least two years by the movie. But anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted. The movie, for the most part, is told through the eyes of a kid. So there's a lot of jumps in logic that happen. Not nearly as bad as, say, like Robot Monster. I say bad, oh, yeah. but it's not as obvious, I guess, as in Robot Monster. But a lot of it, uh, and, and it's really nice, actually, that the kid is taken seriously. I, I love that so much about this film when he is up at like what, three 30 in the morning. Cause he wants to watch, or excuse me, four 30 in the morning. Cause he wants to watch some astronomical thing happen that only happens every once every six years. His dad's not upset. His dad's like, Oh, move over. I want to look through the telescope too. And that's yeah. cool. That's great. That and, and it's a great setup for what happens later. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his mom, the same thing. It's like, okay, you guys go to bed. Come on. Yeah. And it, it's you know? wonderful. And, and I loved that so much. So we have that going on and there is this thing happening and, you know, kid and dad enjoy that together, but it's not the only crazy astronomical event happening tonight because a spaceship, a flying saucer crash lands. Uh, on, I think it's on their property, isn't it? It's it's in a sand pit or a sand dune or something, I think, close to their property, maybe bordering it, because they talk about the fence having fallen over, you know, where it, like, went across the sand pit, it's now fallen over, so it's, yeah, yeah that's it's right. somewhere in yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, so the kid gets the parents on board, the dad's going to go take a look, and he doesn't come home the rest of the night. When he does return, he has undergone a huge personality shift, and it's not it's it's awkward, and then it gets really uncomfortable when he pushes the kid away and like, oh, we're I, I, don't, he does, I don't think he pushed the I think he really smacked the kid. I was trying to be nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but but that's a jarring moment, and it's a jarring moment because. Just a few minutes ago, we saw him as a really cool person. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's gruff. He's smacking his kid, which, you know, you just know he would never have done. Right. So, you know, and, and yeah, okay. Tr you know, I don't know, trigger warning. But, yeah, there is that one moment. And and it's it's just that one moment. It doesn't continue. But the kid is terrified. And he's trying to find help. He's trying to get people on board to believe him about what he's seen. And it becomes him against the rest of the world, really, until a kindly doctor mm -hmm. starts to believe him. And I thought that was nice. You know, the, yeah. the authority figures, they're being taken over. The nurse, she's on board and makes a few phone calls. It's like, yeah, this doctor's, you know, the scientist vouches for you. So uh, I guess you're not full of it, kid. And she's called in by the one cop because the kid tries to talk to the chief of police Chief of police has been taken over, mm -hmm. you know, instructs the uh, duty officer to lock the kid up. And the duty officer is like, look, this kid's really scared. This is really weird. And the chief is like, don't worry about it. No problem. So he calls this doctor who's with the health department to come talk to David. Yeah, he's known by an astronomer and one of the little stumbling blocks because there's a lot of 50s science. And I mean, science. <laughs> The guy is, is talking about, well, there's a theory that <laughs> Martians are not on their planet anymore, but circling the atmosphere and our rocket, which will shoot down 
thing circling the atmosphere. <laughs> Maybe, you know, I'm, yeah, you're laughing. I'm kind of going, yeah, okay, this is pushing it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- this movie has the 1950s science trope. We're going to give you a little science lesson. And oh, yeah. And then we're going to take it a step further than we normally would because what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the nice thing is the army gets on board very early. Yeah. The army buys it, and they never shoo the kid away, and that's one of the things I love about this, too. They're never like, okay, thanks, kid, you're in the way. No, the general and the officers are talking about what they're going to do strategy-wise, and the kid's just there listening, hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nobody's telling the kid to go home. Uh, but that does that is what happens. We get the local military involved. We learn that there are some experiments, some things happening, some projects, some programs happening here that top secret military type stuff. And that's probably why the Martians are here taking over random people. Using them as saboteurs yeah. for the project. There's some really cool moments. Um, and, and I want to get back to this here in a second. This is one moment that really, the se- the sequence of events that really kind of got me is like, Oh man, they went there. But yeah, so the military's brought in, they are investigating. They figure out that there is a craft of some sort underneath the sand And when they get in there, they see the Martians or the mutants or the mutates or whatever you want to call them. And this awesome goldish, greenish, more green than gold head in a fishbowl with weird tentacles that communicates only by moving its eyes. And it's just creepy and freaky, a race to get out of there because they set off some time charges. It's just a romp and it doesn't stop. It literally doesn't stop because there's a good 30 second, if not longer, I'd have to go back and time it bit where they're running away from the exploding firecraft or spacecraft. And it's just focusing on Danny's face. We're getting flashbacks of everything that's happened throughout the film as he's running and it's just him running. And you're seeing more and more things where things are going wrong. And, oh man, that's when that happened. And, oh no, that's where they found the thing in the guy's neck. And, oh no, here's this and here's that. And it's just ratcheting it up higher and higher and higher. And it just never lets go. I mean, well, it does eventually, but it's great. It's well-paced. I think the military loading the tanks and jeeps on the on the um on the train scene got a little long <laughs> there are a few things that kind of dragged um yeah but i'm willing to forgo that because most of most of it is really it's a solid film yeah it is you know and and of course david and the doctor i forget her name pat blake dr pat blake mm-hmm. um they both get sucked into the underground labyrinth that the martians have set up around their spacecraft and yeah the supreme intelligence the thing in the globe which is only like a chest and and a head yeah pretty much which is really kind of freaky yeah and and the tentacles were articulated to a point i mean nothing great but they were moving and but it was they were enough. moving yeah which is which is good for you know a low budget 50s film and i mean that's that is one of those iconic monsters you do know that it they did homage to that in star crash right i've never seen star crash oh my okay then i know (laughs) i know carolyn monroe i know leather space bikini i know (laughs) (laughs) that image of the supreme intelligence they actually do an homage in that movie to it you know, I mean, it's in there. 
the director, um, uh, Luigi Cozy, I think it is. This sounds about I right. For, yeah. 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 He was a big enough fan of that movie that he put it in that film, his film. So, I mean, it's iconic. It's pretty well known. That was probably one of the things that scared the heck out of me because it's like, there's no body. Oh, my God. <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, there are a lot of holes in my uh, movie-watching experience. I, I, I know this. <laughs> I'm just actually surprised about Starcraft. I mean, just, just surprised. I know. Whatever. I haven't seen a few myself. You know, I still haven't seen a Rondo Hatton film. So I understand completely. <laughs> uh, I said I wanted to get back to a moment. In this movie, mm-hmm. that that was like, oh my, they went there. They, oh boy. When his father strikes out at David and, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to go out and play and he's told, don't you go tell anybody about this. Of course, he's going to go tell somebody about this. He wants to tell the neighbor kid, the neighbor family. And uh, there's, oh yeah, he saw Nancy, the neighbor girl, get sucked under the sand too. And he wants to tell about that. Well, Nancy's there. Nancy's been taken over. But Nancy's there and sets the house on fire. <laughs> yeah. And when Danny is yelling, hey, hey, your house is on fire and they're out there to go fix it. The mom's like, Nancy, were you playing in the in the cellar? No, mother. But then she gets that grin on her face. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Talk about evil right there. That. That was. Ugh. That was chilling. Yeah. The fact that um, the aliens once the person does what they want them to do, just triggers off something in the implant in the back of their head and kills them. Uh, you know cerebral I mean? hemorrhage. Um, yeah. Which this little girl, she doesn't die on screen, thankfully. Yeah, I don't, that that would have been way too far. But she's dead. Mm-hmm. And, what? and a few other, you know, a few of the people who are taken over are dead. You know, the two cops, they burn down a scientific building and... They're cornered and they just drop dead. Yeah. Just right on screen. Boom. Done. It's, it's, it's crazy. David's mom and dad, you know, by this point, his mom has also been taken over by the aliens are possessed by them. So he's worried about what's going to happen to them. Yeah. He doesn't want them to die the way the other ones have to. Whenever they talk about somebody dying, cue Danny crying about mom and dad. And normally I'd be like, oh, come on, kid. But. In this case, it worked, and it's like, oh, no, yeah, you're right. That is something we need to worry about, isn't it? Yeah, because Dad almost kills a fellow scientist. It's the one Kathy. It was Kathy's father, and she thought she'd burn him down in the house, but apparently it didn't. that didn't happen. Yeah. So David's dad takes a shot at him with a rifle and misses, but you're still you're not sure. It's like, is this actually, you're really convinced that his parents could be killed in an instant. And he does sell it. He does sell it. He does. He does. There's a a twist at the end of the movie. I didn't think I was going to be too fond of. Mm -hmm. And okay, I've already given the spoiler warning. I'm going to spoil it here too. Well, it's 70 years old. I think um, <laughs> I think we're good. Hey, I've never seen it before, though. So you know, maybe there's somebody else like there. You know, oh, know. that's true. That's true. But that moment that I talked about with Danny racing toward the camera, racing away, trying to get away from everything. We keep seeing all the flashbacks to earlier points in the movie. It's because he's about to wake up from a dream. This is a dream. Sort of. 
Yes, or is it? Or is it a final destination precognition situation? You know? <laughs> is he stuck in a Groundhog's Day Happy Death Day time loop? Oh, no. <laughs> now, this brings up one of the issues that I have with a lot of movies that are supposedly dream sequences or whatever. There are some point of view violations here. I did say earlier that they let the kid hang out there all the time, and that's great. But there are still some scenes happening without the kid. And if the kid wasn't yeah. there, you know, how is he dreaming about the, uh, you know, and, and I know I get kind of hung up and anal about it sometimes when it comes to this sort of thing, but really, but it's not enough to take me out of this one. This one was still fun. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I and, and, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like anything else. You could say that he knows about, you know, his father taking a shot at someone because he overheard it from the military guys. Oh. This doc- the doctor just tried to kill this other doctor. Right. But, you know, it's not enough to really take you out of it. Yeah, same with Robot Monster, you know, when that happens. I mean, it happens, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a, sur- I don't want to say surreal, but there's a weird, almost fairy tale like quality to a lot of this movie, and Robot Monster, for that matter. And I'm wondering if this would play well with Robot Monster as a double feature, now that we've talked about it so much. But... Mm. There, there's a weird fantasy kind of fable, almost fable-like quality to it that yeah. that I enjoy, and I'm okay with that weird kind of lapse in logic when it comes to whose point of view are we really seeing. The lap in point of view didn't bother me at all. It's good, like, good. but then of course it's a movie. The way a movie's structured, you you, you kind of accept that sort of stuff. Unless, you know? unless your name is Derek, and then you start getting hung up on this stuff. Well, and I mean, there are some movies where, you know, yeah, okay, it doesn't work. You really kind of drop the ball on that. But this one seems to work well. Yeah. Especially when you find out it may all be a dream. But is it? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> because he wakes up at the same time. He did in the beginning of the first part of the movie and sees the spaceship landing again right where it was. Yep. It's, it's just a neat way to kind of end the thing, too. I kind of liked it. it. It's just, it's clever uh, in a way yeah. that I didn't expect. Well, apparently the British distributor didn't think it was that clever. So I was going to ask you about that because when I went looking for this movie, I saw that there's a British version which has like an extra minute. Yeah. I, I have you, is there a huge difference? I, I didn't see, I don't think, the British version. I didn't either, but apparently what it is is that um, he just goes to bed and everything is fine. He doesn't wake up again. In fact, I think it's because his parents are getting the brain control device taken out of them that the doctor, um, Dr. Blake, and um, the astronomer are the ones putting him to bed in this house. They actually do show the Martian ship exploding in the British version. I don't, I don't remember them doing that in the American one, but I could be mistaken. Huh. But Dr. Blake assures David his parents are safe now that the saucer is destroyed. The scene dissolves to um, David's house. Dr. Blake is there putting him to bed, saying goodnight. The scene dissolves to the end. Interesting. So there is no dream within a dream. I'm not sure how they explain the running scene where he's flashback, you know, where he's getting the flashbacks to everything that happened beforehand. Huh. Because that would have been that kind of that kind of feels dreamlike. Yeah. It does. Yeah, but you know, I mean to me the the British ending is just trying to 
I don't know. They just didn't like the fact that, oh, it could have been a dream. No, that doesn't make sense. Change it. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Which is a shame, but, you know, where you got to do? Well, uh, I will say that I enjoyed the heck out of this. Uh, I thought it was very well done. I I sometimes come away from these experiences upset. I was like, why did I wait so long? Why didn't I watch this one before? You know? Yeah. And it just, it's, it's good. Uh, it, it's a classic. It's one that I will go back and revisit. It's one that I will encourage people to watch and seek oh, out. Definitely. It, it's mm-hmm. definitely worth your time. I think it's, it's certainly one that, uh, I would say needs to be seen. Am I going to go see the, the remake? I don't know. Did we talk about that? Did you see the remake? Yeah, I saw the remake. It's not bad. Okay. The thing is that was a golden globus film. It was Toby Hooper's second of three movies that he was contractually um, obligated to make for them. The first one was Life Force. Then he did Invaders from Mars. But he also had to do a sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, obviously. (laughs) Um, It's okay. I mean, it pretty much follows the script beat by beat. Cool thing is the actor who played David mm-hmm. in, let me see, let me get the actor's name, the young boy's name. Yeah. Jimmy Hunt was in the remake okay, as the police chief. And apparently there is a line in there where he's like, gosh, I haven't been here in like 40 years, which was a throwback to the fact that he was in the movie, which was like 36 years prior um and they also found the supreme intelligence prop and had it just on a shelf somewhere so a little easter egg that's Um, you know i i like that and i don't know much about toby hooper in terms of what his influences were he doesn't wear them on his sleeve the way like say joe dante or john landis does but um it's nice to see that kind of respect you know, I was like, maybe, a, maybe he was a monster kid too. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's a very respectful remake, but it's also one of those things where you're like, oh, okay. So the mute dance are amazing looking in this because they were in, in the sequel. They were apparently a bodybuilder with a little person strapped to their back. Oh, and the little person would be operating the face and the head of the monster and its arms while the bodybuilder would be walking backwards. So his joints looked backwards and weird. You know, that, that might have been even an homage to this because when we see the mutants or the mutates or whatever uh, carrying the head and the ball <laughs> yeah they're kind of walking back they, they are it's it's reversed um yeah you know and, and it gives it a weird kind of quality that i recognize because i see this trick done in a lot of things but you know it's still pretty cool <laughs> yeah so in the remake the mutants were done by stan winston so you know oh, they're good yeah. Yeah. yeah oh yeah um but you know aside from the update on the special effects the story's pretty much the same so you know it's not a bad remake. It's just it just doesn't add anything new or interesting. I well, I haven't seen it in years, so maybe I should go back and watch that one. But yeah, I, I mean, I remember seeing when I first saw it. You know, this was before I revisited the original, and it's like you know, 
it's just not as good as the original the way I remember it. So I'm looking at it with my memories of the first one and how it affected me. So other people's mileage may vary. Well, this movie's easy to see. Uh, it's on Tubi, which is a free streaming service. If you can't find it anywhere else, it's there. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it's available as a physical disc or not. Uh, that's actually... It had a DVD release, but it's out of print. It's never had a Blu-ray release. You can find copies online for, you know, under $10, but I'm not going to guarantee those are legit. Okay, so it was, at least here in the States, released by Image Entertainment, which yeah, sometimes they do a good job, you know, kind of hit and miss with them, to be honest. It, that's the one that's out of print right now. You can still get it for 80 bucks. Yeah. I don't know if I'd spend 80 bucks on it, but it also was released in a collection called Mission Mars, just a Mission Mars collection as well as in a two-pack with The Crawling Eye. So it, it's out there somewhere, I'm, but yeah, watch it on Tubi. I'm just waiting for Shout Factory to get a hold of it. Hey, Shout Factory, if you're listening, this would be one to do because it's amazing. Well, hey, if Shout Factory's listening, give me a job, man. I'll do your commentary tracks. I'm all, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm all over, us, man. Hey, I'm all over. Yeah. I, I, I know you got your favorites, but, you know. It's just because I'm not, you know, you haven't listened to me. You know, I just, I'm, <laughs> and now I'm stumbling over my words, which explains maybe why I don't get a job at places like Show Factory. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> that all said, this is a recommend. This is good stuff. I am so thrilled to have finally watched it and say I've seen Invaders from Mars and I love it. It's so good. I'm so glad I watched it the way that I did because I can almost say I watched it with Chris. And I am so glad you invited me on the show to talk about this movie. Oh, because yeah. like I said, I saw it the one time. I so glad I finally broke down and revisited it because it didn't diminish my love of this movie. It just made it even better because when you're three or four years old, you don't always get the critical eye and understand why the sets are so unnerving and why this doesn't look right and how it works so well. And, you know, Go, being able to go back and revisit all of that and realize that's why I was scared. Yeah. They made a solid movie. Yeah. And yeah, it's freaky. It's scary if you're three, but it's really good no matter how old you are. Yeah. If you're a fan of the genre, you'll be a fan of this. And if you're not a fan of the genre, thanks for listening to Monster Kid Radio, I guess. Um <laughs> <laughs> And thanks for checking out the shadow over portland.blogspot.com. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's yeah, going on I'm, with your site, man? Well, I, I'm changing a few things. Okay. I'm trying to get back to reviewing movies because I haven't done one in a while. But it's getting really, we talked about this earlier, where part of my deal with the shadow of Portland was to try and promote local theaters, you know, theaters yeah. doing repertory type movies, you know, or, or art house type movies, you know, movies that weren't good go into the cineplex. And unfortunately those theaters are just for sheer economical reasons, switching over and going first run. So I'm starting to include some of, you know, I mean, I've got a whole list of local independent movie theaters showing Spider-Man far from home starting on Thursday because I still want to support these theaters. I still think they're important. I still think if you're going to go see Spider-Man Far From Home, go see it at a local theater. 
you're going to pay a little less. You're probably going to get better popcorn and food. And the people working there are going to have be a lot more pleasant to talk to and deal with because they're fans. You know, they're doing this because they like movies. That, yeah. It's not like you're going to be facing somebody with a whole bunch of artificial buttered popcorn going, yeah, what do you want? Most independent theater owners really love what they do. And we need to keep them. We need to support them. Yeah, I used to work at a movie theater. 20 years ago, I worked at a, a Cineplex. I forget which one. Was it a car mic? I don't remember, but I used to work for one. And well, I worked for it for almost a full year. And I was one of three people who considered themselves movie fans. Everybody else working there would have been just as happy slinging hamburger somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that rubs off on the entire experience. And when you find somebody like the joy, the Joy Cinema, they love movies. They care about making sure your experience is awesome because movies are awesome. So, yes, if you can support the locals or the independents, do it. Please, yeah. please. And, so Yeah, so I'm, I'm breaking my one rule. If it's a sci-fi fantasy and obviously Spider-Man sci-fi fantasy, maybe horror too a little bit because Doc Ock is scary and what he appeared in. And it's showing at local theaters. I'd rather promote them so i don't know if you knew this chris but it's your blog you can do whatever you want you don't have to well, worry about I breaking know. the rules it's they're your I rules you, you can change them well no i didn't break the rules i changed them there you go there i go <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean I'm, I'm still listing as much as i can happening in the area i was actually surprised this month there is so much going on and I'm not talking movies. I'm talking stage productions. I'm talking bazaars, pop-up shopping things. You yeah. know what I mean? There's, there's a lot happening. And I'm, I'm doing my best to keep everyone up to date on what's going on. Right on. The website, one more time. Shadowoverportland.blogspot.com. There you go. As always, link in the show notes. I think he's actually got a listing in the permalinks section because he's been such a longtime supporter. Uh, he was on the very first episode broadcast of Monster Kid Radio. And, oh, yeah. And there's a chance that you will see him at a local convention, if all things go well. with Fingers some, and tentacles crossed. Right, yeah, with Monster Kid Radio doing something. So stay tuned for more information about that coming down the way. I'm sure he'll mention it on his website. And, of course, I'm going to talk about it here on the podcast. Yeah, and, of course, I'll talk about it here, so... All right. Well, uh, I hope your dad liked the episode. I'm sure he will, but I will let you know. Yeah, you have him send him some feedback, you know, give us a call. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think he'd be pumping me way too much. You know, oh, my son was great. That's what I was about. I said that. I was like, oh, good. We're going to get somebody talking about how awesome Chris is, which I, <laughs> which I already know. But, you oh, know. You're, you're too kind. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks for downloading the show. Thanks for reviewing the show, wherever it is you downloaded the show. And thanks for sharing news about the show, whether you're retweeting tweets or posting things on Facebook or whatever it is you do to let people know about Monster Kid Radio. I appreciate you. Thank you. And thanks for listening to the podcast and being patient with me as I still work out the release schedule. Links to everything that we've talked about here on the show 
you can find on our website at monsterkidradio.net. You're going to find links to the band that we played this week. You're going to find links to keep up with Chris and Mark. And you're going to find links to, like I said, everything that we've talked about, as well as links to our Facebook group and our Twitter page, our Reddit and our Discord. We have a Facebook page, or at least we used to. I'm not sure why, but Facebook removed it, saying that it had violated some sort of terms of service or something along those lines. I don't know if somebody sent in a complaint. I'm not sure if there was an issue with some of the Twitch streams going to the Facebook page. I'm not sure what happened there. I'm trying to get it recovered, but... I don't have high hopes. So if you're a Facebook user, the best place to interact with anybody regarding Monster Kid Radio is the Facebook group. That link still works. There's also links to Amazon. We are an Amazon affiliate, so every time you buy anything from Amazon, please consider using our links on the website because it takes a few bucks, quarters, pennies, percentage of a point. I don't know. It just helps Monster Kid Radio out while not charging you anything extra. So I appreciate your support there. I appreciate you being a patron over at Patreon. And I appreciate you joining us on the weekend at the Monster Kid Movie Club. That's over on Twitch. So go to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio and you can join us on Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific. You're going to get an amazing pre-show put together by Scott Morris. And then around noon, the movies kick in. And this weekend on Saturday, we're going to be doing a bunch of old Dark House movies. You know, there is something about ghost stories and Christmas time. It's something that I really want to kind of lean into this time of year, but there aren't a lot of ghost stories or ghost films from that era, from the era of the public domain that I can show. And I thought the next best thing are some old dark house movies. So that's what we're getting this weekend in the monster kid movie club. And then on Tuesday, same Twitch channel, but we become the Monster Kid Cliffhanger Club, where we're showing cliffhanger films, uh, serials. Uh, I guess they're technically films. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to be showing the back half of the Tiger Woman and Zorro's Black Whip over in the Monster Kid Cliffhanger Club. That starts around 3.30 p.m. Pacific with the pre-show, and then the movies themselves, or the serials themselves, kick off around 4 o'clock. And then I'll go ahead and tell you now, the following Saturday... Well, it's Christmas, so we're going to be showing a bunch of Christmas films. It's going to be a little bit different in that we're not going to have as much, uh, well, you know what? Stay tuned. Just stay tuned. If you're a Twitch user, just give us a follow and you'll be notified every time we go live at the Monster Kid Movie Club Twitch stream. What's coming up next week on the show? Well, I am scheduled right now to record with Stephen D. Sullivan, another old name, a longtime supporter, somebody who's been on the show repeatedly. He and I are going to talk about a show, a TV show from the 70s that I absolutely love called The Sixth Sense. Move down the darkest corridor of the inner mind. ESP is a fact. Across the comprehensions of reality. Science fiction. Is it? Beyond the shroud of your subconscious. Back. Farther back. And into the sixth sense. Come with me. Specifically, he and I are going to talk about the first two episodes of that series. So that's coming up next week here on the podcast. Please come back for that. I think that's about it. Let's go ahead and wrap this up so I can get the show out to you by letting you know and reminding 
by reminding you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported License. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Black and White Shoes. That is copyright 2018, Operation Octopus. You can find it on their album El Calavera, which you can find at operationoctopus.bandcamp.com. My name is Derek M. Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao. (laughs) 